0: Self-leadership for me, and the reason I start with it, is like you say, it's really the foundation, right? Sometimes you just, you can't change that stuff. You can only change your reaction to it. And and I guess linking back to permission slips, right? Sometimes if you can't change it and if you've done everything that you can, right? If you're still not appreciated and this is not soil where you can grow, leave.
1: Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelley Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here let's get this revolution started hello and welcome back my fellow rebel souls Happy Monday, if you're diving into this as it's hot off the presses. This is my final interview during what I'm calling International Women's Month. So you guys have heard me talking about the fact that I'm committed to celebrating women all month long, not just on March 8th, which is International Women's Day, when we drop the episode with Claire Wasserman. I'm just I'm super excited that I've got these three badass women, first doll. Then Claire, and now Helen Appleby. She's a dear friend, she's a fellow coach, and a woman on a mission. She's also another corporate refugee. You guys have heard me use that term, and I love that she brings it up in the conversation. She has an incredible background, having risen through the ranks of Unilever and also GlaxoSmithKline in the pharmaceutical business, rising to be a VP running a global piece of their business, a global division, basically. Um, That was worth a billion dollars, their billion dollar respiratory health business at GSK. And along the way, she learned a lot. She learned a lot about what she loves and really wants to do. She learned a lot about whose dream she was following. Hint, hint. We have a lot in common there. And she learned a lot about what it means to be a woman climbing the corporate ladder and how to do that as a woman. And she defines it as really understanding what are the unwritten rules, What are the things that we really need to understand and practice so we can see more women at the top in leadership roles of corporations and leadership roles in countries? What are the things we need to do? And then how can we support each other as more and more of us get into those roles? So we really dive in. We dive into Helen's story and we dive into a handful of the unwritten rules that she's written about in her new book. So if you're watching the video, here's a sneak peek. It's called The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership. Step into your power, write your own rules, and succeed in your career, whatever it looks like. And the beautiful thing is we talk about the fact that both Helen and I are On This mission, we both lead movements, mine around liberating souls, hers around getting more women into leadership positions in the world. And we both left corporate to do it, but you don't need to. And her book is chock full of how to succeed, how to get more of us there. And also, hello guys. Hello, my fellow male rebel souls. I know you guys listen. I love you equally. And I love that Helen's book and our conversation end with how can men help? What can you guys be doing to advocate for women where you work and in the spaces in which you lead and have influence and have a platform? So it's powerful. This is for everyone because this isn't simply a women's issue. This is about getting diversity of thought and leadership. That's women, that's women of color, that's men of color, that's people of color, who in uh, more and more places where decisions are being made. So I'm super excited to wrap up International Women's Month with this conversation with Helen. You guys are going to love her. It's juicy and it's practical. There's stuff you can start doing right now. And I had more than a few like, oh, kind of, you know, remember the old V8 commercials? I'm totally dating myself, but where you like smack your forehead and you're like, ah, wish I would have known that. I could think back to especially my time at Harley things where I was like, Oh, yeah, you know, I was kind of like, put your head down, you know, do everything for the company, bend over backwards, you'll get recognized and noticed. And while in some instances, I did, there's so much I realized I could have been doing differently, that also, you know, I might not have felt so burned out and so empty on the inside. So this is a good one, you guys, let's dive into my conversation with Helen. And ladies, let's keep Supporting each other. Men, please, please keep advocating and supporting the women in your world. And that doesn't just mean your daughters. Um, and, uh, I just, let's all start living by these rules. And like Helen said, I mean, we're rebels after all. So let's fucking make up some of our own. Let's change the face of what leadership looks like. All right. I love you guys. Let's dive into the conversation with Helen. Enjoy. Hello and welcome back my fellow rebel souls. Okay, so we're in the midst of well, I'm calling it International Women's Month. We're past International Women's Day and I made a commitment to really throughout March interview some bad ass women who are role models and inspiration and mentors for me and one of them is my dear friend Helen Appleby who's here with me today. Welcome Helen. Hey Shelley, lovely to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. It's always, and it's so fun just to listen to you talk. And honestly, I was geeking out on Helen right before we hit record on this, you guys, because I, I've spent time with Helen, I've been on her podcast, and I finally had a chance to read the book, Helen's brand new book, all the stuff that she's been living and preaching for years is actually a book now that we can all buy. I have gone through this, mine is dog eared and highlighted. For those of you (laughs) watching this on YouTube, you could see it. I was showing it to Helen earlier, but it's called the unwritten rules of women's leadership. And I even let actually, Helen, I love the subtitle you landed on. Step into your power, write your own rules and succeed in your career. And this coming from a woman who's had a pretty fucking amazing career. So (laughs) we're going to get into all the juiciness. You know what I'm going to ask you. I love to start with the question, what are you rebelling for? (laughs) thank you Shelly
0: I am rebelling for two things really and I guess one sort of fits under the other but like for women succeeding and finding their version of success right it is succeeding your career but you know I think success looks different for everybody and finding the, the success that is really in our hearts is what you and I have both done and what I help women do whatever that looks like right and the other thing that I'm really, really passionate about, and we, I know we both are, is sisterhood. Yes. Right? And women helping other women. There's been a boys club forever. And you know, and then there was queen bee syndrome as a few women broke through and the times are changing, right? And now there's a sisterhood and how I'm rebelling for women succeeding and then women helping other women to succeed too. And us pulling mm. together. Cause the research really clearly shows that when you have the support of other women who have the support of other women do better and, and it's just easier, right? Doing it on your own. You and I know, right? Doing that shit on your own is hard and it's lonely and leadership, you know, to some extent leadership is lonely, but we can make it easier and we can make it easier for each other if we do it together. So there you yeah,
1: go. I love it. And doing it alone is unnecessary. You know, I talk in my book, and I know we'll di- we'll dig into this because I want to get into your journey to what led you here, to really discovering what these unwritten rules of success are, and to the work that in the world that you do today. And there are so many parallels with my story and what I wrote in *Soulbatical*. And one one thread throughout this picks up on what you just said, which is. I was so afraid to ask for help. I didn't know how. I thought it was a sign of weakness. And I loved reading in your book, you reinforcing that exact message. Like, actually, it's not. It is the thing that will be the stepping stone or the springboard to success.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I really encourage women to ask for help. And also, because I find that they don't, right? They Mm. genuinely are like us. And we were like that too, right? You think you have to do it by yourself. But also the other thing that I really help women with is, is just permission, right? I think if you have a sisterhood around you, you have women that are two steps ahead of you or, you know, beside you that give you permission, right? Women often just want, need, they need permission, it seems to, you know, have a messy house, right? To get help, to get great help, to all of that stuff, right? We can really, really help each other.
1: Amen. And anybody in my community who's listening to this knows I say all the time, like I subscribe to the Brene Brown permission slips every morning writing yourself whatever permission slip you need in that moment to show up as your most authentic, badass, and powerful self that day. Because you're right. We don't. We're not in the habit of giving ourselves permission. We're so tough on ourselves. And Mm -hmm. it's one of the reasons I love that your book started with this idea of self-leadership, right? Because we can't succeed if we aren't dealing with the inner stuff and doing the inner work and really giving ourselves permission mission, you know, telling imposter syndrome, like, Hey, enough. (laughs) I am worthy. I am enough. So I've already got us diving into your book. So wait, maybe comment on that. And then I want to take a giant step back because I want to dig deeper into your journey that led to even discovering this stuff, because I'm sure like me, you had a lot of stumbling blocks along the way.
0: (laughs) I did. And You know, it's interesting. One of the things I was really conscious when I wrote the book was that this book is not about fixing women, right? Women are not broken. And, and, but some of this stuff we can help ourselves with and we can help each other with some of what goes on at work, as you and I know, though, is not just about self leadership, right? But, you know, misogynistic Mm. leaders, you know sexual harassment unconscious bias all of that stuff is real very and that's the bit that is much harder to change right and change needs to come from so many different directions uh, but self leadership for me and the reason i start with it is like you say it's really the foundation right sometimes you just you can't change that stuff you can only change your reaction to it and and I guess linking back to permission slips, right? Sometimes if you can't change it and if you've done everything that you can, right, if you're still not appreciated and this is not soil where you can grow, think like leave, Yeah, right? That permission slip of I say to clients sometimes or, you know, and women that I'm talking to just in advising, right? You're not a tree, get up and leave if you need to. So yeah, leadership on many levels, isn't it? And Definitely there were times, and you'll see them right in the book, there were times when some of that external stuff got in my way. I definitely, you know, hashtag me too, and the unconscious bias, all of that stuff, you know, I talk at quite a length about, you know, it took a while for somebody to take a chance on me, as they called Mm. it, right? Because women, men, are the research says men are promoted based on their potential, and women are promoted based on their track record. And how can you, you know, have a track record if you can't get the global role, right? (laughs) Now do you get the global role, if you haven't got a track record, right? So I kind of circled around that for a while. But, and there were things, looking back now, there were things that I could have done that I didn't do well enough because I didn't know. So that's really the premise of the unwritten rules. It was the stuff that nobody told me how to do well, right? How do you ask for a mentor, right? I kind of like, you know, the fact that mentors help you, that's not really an unwritten rule, is it? Like, we all know that. But like, what do you do if you're not asked, right? What do you do if everyone above you is looking after and hanging out with and playing golf with the guys? What do you do then? I didn't really know. And and maybe, honestly, you know, now I'm 50 and I look back, you know, I was five for eight, blonde with big boobs. I don't know if they knew how to ask me either. <laughs> right? So yeah, that was like probably unwritten for them too, right? So how do you do that? How do you have that conversation in a way that's not weird? Right. That took longer to learn. Right. How do you stakeholder manage? How do you like think about who will be in the room when your next role or promotion is discussed? And how do you, you know, work with them so that the meeting really happens before the meeting? All of that stuff was just not explained to me. And you, of course, you find out in the end, but like it could have been so much easier. I would have cried less in the bathroom if I'd known the stuff that is in the book now.
1: A hundred percent. And I felt the exact same way reading your book and reflecting on my 26th year. I mean, you and I spent about the same amount of time in the corporate world, in senior marketing roles, VP roles at global companies with global responsibilities, working around the world. And I was reading your book going, oh my God, like if I only knew, like I I was having some flashbacks of like, oh yeah, I did kind of what you say at the beginning of the book. You're like, yeah, I would have done this differently, this differently, this differently, and this differently. And that's why you're on the mission you are to share this with women and to help women help themselves and help each other. And I think it's so powerful that you're you're on that mission and that you kind of approach it with sort of an I got you, like an arm around you, like I wish I knew these things and because I do now, I want to share them. Let's let this not be a secret. And that's kind of, I wrote my book with that same kind of tone of voice. It's like, I wanted to say, I got you because I wish this book would have existed when I walked away from Harley. And you wish this book would have existed when you were climbing the corporate ladder. So it's really beautiful. Thank you on behalf of all of us. And on behalf of wanting to change the statistics of the number of women at the top of the corporate ladder. This is huge. I'm so Mm. glad that you, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about how you landed on this as your mission, right? So you have this incredibly successful career you're vice president of uh, it was like a billion dollar division of GlaxoSmithKline, yeah, right? Yeah. The respiratory health business globally. Yep, on that incredible. You had yeah. lived all over. You had like climbed the ladder there, and yet, like, what happened where you said? no, you know what, I'm being called to do something different. What was the path then to, that led us all the way to the work you do, you know, the work you do now in the book that I just read and loved and want everybody to go out and buy? So what
0: happened was I had a coach. <laughs> and <laughs> <Fancy> that <laughs> I was on one of those, you know, high potential programs, right? And they get your coach and that's great. And I was talking with the coach and I said, out loud to the coach I like growing people more than I like growing brands and businesses Oof. and the coach kind of looked down at the table in between us like the words were kind of out in the open and in front of us and between us and he he said so what are you going to do with that then <laughs> I was like, oh shit. Yeah. I said it now. It's out. <laughs> the genie and- is out of the bottle, Helen. He's <laughs> out of the bottle. It was never going back in. And, it, you know, it was five years, Shelly, between when I said that and when I left, it was five years to. Interesting. Okay. Train as a coach, to get accredited, to have internal clients, to sort out, you know, to land in the US and, you know, get to a point where I could walk away. So it wasn't, you know, I didn't like go on vacation and decide I wanted to run a juice bar. <laughs> it was yeah. a whole thing. It was a plan. And, and it's interesting, you know, when I actually did lay, leave and maybe after a couple of years, like the first two years were kind of rough. <laughs> the first year in particular, there was, there was crying then too <laughs> in my pajamas mm-hmm. at 11 o'clock in the morning. But looking back, you know, I'm like, wow, like if I'd known it was going to be this easy, I would have done it years ago. And then I have to remind myself, you know, if I'd done it years ago, maybe it wouldn't have been this easy. So, but it was that, you know, the answer to your question is that it was that realization that, you know, I was a decent (laughs) marketeer, but actually what I was really good at was the leadership piece. Right. And actually what I was better at in the marketing was hiring really smart people (laughs) into marketing and getting them to do great work and, you know, having them in a team that was aligned behind a vision and healthy and all pulling in the right direction and all growing and doing that piece was actually what got me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Hence then, you know, how do I grow people and get paid for it was being a coach. And then, so I started off coaching really senior leaders and working with lots of CEOs and this part of my practice which still does work with senior leaders and CEOs and some of them are men and some of them are women. But I think, you know, you and I know often, in terms of the work we do, you know, we look back to our past, don't we? And we want to help the people who have been on the journey that we're a little bit ahead on. Yeah. And hence, then this work of, you know, I wish I'd known this, I wish I'd known this, which through, you know, digging and refining and working with coaches, you know, people like Rich Litvin, who you and I both work with, found this name of the unwritten rules. And really, you know, once you've, once you kind of, I don't know, once the light's on, it never stops burning, does it? You know, I just knew at that point, it's like, this is it. This yeah. is, this will be my life's work, right? I'm very clear. And the book is my story and what the research and, you know, what my clients have taught me. But, you know, what I'm really, this is a platform, right? And the podcast and the other work and the community that I'm building is really about, Okay, these were my rules, but if this is about writing your rules, then what are you know fabulous women around me like Shelley Paxton? What are her learnings, right? And how can I give Shelley Paxton a platform to share what she learned on her journey? And really, you know, where did she struggle? How did she overcome it? What does she wish she'd known back then, yeah. right? And so that's then kind of the the broader sweep of it. I, I guess I'm kind of careful that. Yeah, these are my rules, right? They may not be yours, right? Because I didn't, I'm not walking the exact same journey that you walked, but how can we you know, get out of our own way? How can we accelerate? There's accelerators and decelerators in our careers, mm-hmm. aren't there? How can we maximize the accelerators and minimize the decelerators so that we can succeed? Because, you know, honestly, longer term, how will we get more women, senior in organizations? get more women senior in organizations. Oh my God. I highlighted
1: and underlined that in the book like five times. I was like, exactly. It's that simple and it's that hard, but it's actually that simple.
0: Right. Right. And there's still more CEOs in the fortune 1500 called David than there are women. Every time we're not there yet.
1: No, every time I hear that statistic, it's like the hairs on the back of my neck just stand up and I'm feeling I'm having that exact experience right now. And I, so I just want to, I just want to, there's so much yumminess in here that I want to start pulling apart. And I really do want to talk about a few of the unwritten rules and dive in because I would love for every rebel soul, you know, woman who is listening to this right now. And even the rebel soul men who can help a sister out, which is something that, cause I love that you end your book with, yeah, Yeah, I love how you say like, how can men help? So I would love to get there. So let's talk about some of the unwritten rules. I just want to reflect on the fact that what you shared in your story is like you honored your soul. Once you let the genie out of the bottle with like, I love to grow people more than I love to grow brands and businesses. It's like, boom. And how many times do we all say that? And then we spend like a decade trying to stuff the genie back in the bottle instead of saying, well, how can I take tiny steps forward? to make this happen? What would that look like? And as you say a lot in the book, what if I got curious? What if I simply like, I didn't let it freak me out. I didn't panic about it. I just started to get curious and maybe unraveled uh, unravel it a little bit and explore it a little bit deeper. And I took, well, it was like a year that I was kind of having my nightmare and ultimately laying the foundation for me to leave Harley. You said it was five years for you at GSK. But what I love is you honored your soul and you realized you were living your dad's dream, which were, I mean, you and I have connected on this before. Yeah. Exactly my words. Like I realized I was living my dad's dream. And by the way, it served me well for a very long time as it did you. Right. And you yeah, had the- to say
0: in our house, Uh, it was unwritten. (laughs) But in our house growing up, you could be anything you want, as long as it was blank director in a big company, right? (laughs) And you could choose it, fill the blank with what kind of director you wanted to be, right? And we've got, you know, finance directors, digital marketing directors, investment banking, you know, investor relations directors, and I was the marketing director. And then you get to a certain point in life, and you're like, oh my god, right? Uh, And that was my dad's like, I actually, before he died, I actually had this conversation with him. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, I want to hear about this. Yeah, yeah. And I said to him, look, you know, that's what you taught us. And kind of, and he said, yeah, but that's like, that's what I learned. He said when he was young, his dad told him, you can't go to college, you can't go to college, you can't go to university, because I can't afford it. So go get a profession. Right. And he went and became an accountant, right? And he did his articles, he never went to college. And so he was taught, right, to get a profession. And then he said, through that, you know, he's worked for big companies, he worked for Exxon, SO, mm. for 27 years. And he said, he noticed that, you know, how well people in big companies did. And so he said, that was kind of then, he believed that was the route to success. And, and so and I said, so, you know, I don't, becoming an entrepreneur was like, completely fish out of water for me I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs at all me either and, and he's like well that was kind of what I was taught and then he said to me but you know like in the end I want you to do what makes you happy so whatever you you know like I made it mean I could only do that because that was what he knew and kind of subconsciously what he communicated but he's like you can do whatever you want like I just want you to be happy so and then, <laughs> and so he said and, and you know by the way like it's worked so far hasn't it <laughs> like, you know wink, you're bad following my rules <laughs>
1: Yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely experienced the same in in many conversations we've had since I left Harley and my dad had his strokes and I know you lost your father. And these are crucial conversations that we're afraid to have. You talk about difficult conversations in the book. These are some of the difficult conversations to have in our life as well, because, you know, sometimes these are real expectations put on us. Sometimes there are interpretation of expectations, but you really were shining a light on like following your soul. And if, If not now, then when you and I both did this kind of in or near midlife, right? Or midlife, as far as we know, we we don't know, we don't, we don't know our journey, but I thought that was really beautiful. And what you said at the beginning of the conversation about like your journey looks different than my journey. Yes, we both ended up, you know, leading movements and starting coaching practices and all the things. But that's kind of where the similarities end, right? We're doing very different work. I love that it's aligned really beautifully. But I always say I'm not on a mission to get people to leave corporate America. I'm on a mission to get people to live more authentically, courageously and purposefully and you're on a mission to help more women succeed in their careers and then help each other which is really beautiful right so let's talk about what that what does that look like like let's start to dive into what are some of your favorite or maybe the things the unwritten rules that come up the most often in your coaching and in the workshops that you do let's start diving into a few of those sure
0: the one that the one that is really often stops women in their tracks. And when I do, you know, talks, I really kind of work this through with women is the unwritten rule is there's visible work and invisible work, Mm. and we only get judged on our visible work. So the question I ask women is, you know, as you look at the work that you do, the value that you add and the results that you deliver, how much of that is visible to the people that will be in the room next time your next role is discussed. And what you often find, what I often find with women and what was definitely true for me is that we kind of do good work and hope that it will be recognized.
1: A hundred percent. That is definitely my lived experience. I was the one who was like, head down, I'll get it done. Super valuable to the company. I'll do anything. And yeah didn't spend a whole lot of time doing some of the great stuff you talked about in the book
0: right right and so they do that and then what I'll say to them is you realize that that's not how the game works right you realize your boss is really busy and nobody's gonna come and find out right it's your job to tell them and I kind of knew that too but then it was like oh but that's called self-promotion isn't it yeah it feels yucky right (laughs) oh right i have to do that ooh right you know and that's something else on my damn list right (laughs) and uh, and i'm supposed to be networking and you know oh you know hashtag nobody's got time for that right but the pivot for me is thinking through that right and and getting really real that if they don't know then you won't get credit for it and that is just a terrible waste of your talent and your time and how do you like sit down and say, okay, what is my invisible work and who needs to know? And then what your job then becomes not to self-promote and to brag and to boast, but to educate. Mm, how do I, love I educate the people that need to know what I'm up to? Right. And, and like, so set up a meeting and brag about yourself for half an hour. Helen was like, hey <sighs> Right. Can you educate those people on what it is you do right? and just tell them and update them and, you know, help them understand. Oh, I can do that. And I could really do that authentically. And so, you know, often women say they have no idea. Right. If I left, they'd have to get two people to replace me. They have no idea. You know, they should know I shouldn't have to tell them. It's like, come on, girlfriend, stop it. It doesn't work like this. You've got to do this. You have to teach them. You have to educate them. That's a big deal, right? And in terms of impact on people's careers, right, what the research says is getting visibility of your results is one of the biggest things you can do to shift the trajectory of your career. And the other one is mentors, right? So Hmm. really being purposeful. Like I said at the beginning, right, the fact that you need mentors, not really an unwritten rule, is it? But how to ask, like working out, and again, we do this on the course, we do it in the talks, What are the three journeys that are ahead of you? Three conceptually, right? I made that number up, but like, you know, having mentors takes time too, as well as homeschooling and all the other crap we're doing at the moment, right? Uh um, But if you think about what are the journeys ahead of you? So mine was, mine were um, an international career in marketing. So I've lived and worked in six countries. So, you know, how do you do that moving? was and how do you do it well and how do you you know bring your spouse and manage the kids and get on the list and you know do the relocation negotiate the deal all of that kind of international moving thing was a was a big journey for me and I needed mentors and got great mm-hmm. mentoring actually around that and then the other one was you know the actual succeeding in marketing career so what did I need to do in terms of new product launches and know building my resume my marketing resume and then the other one for me was doing that and being a mum along that journey and so a lot of the time as well the whole working mum guilt thing right give up the guilt is something i talk a lot about with mums and you know realizing that you have to really decide are you a better mum if you go to work or if you stay at home and i was very clear that I was a better mum if I was at work. And then how do you then do that without feeling guilty? And, and again, the reframe for me was, you are a role model for your kids, right? There's plenty of research, and I list it in the book, there's plenty of research that says that kids of working mums, right? The girls earn more, they are more independent, they do better, and the boys, when they get married, they help their wives more, <laughs> right? Uh. So. It's not gonna harm the kids. It. Yeah. Right. So the guilt is on us. And I say to women, be the role model that you want your kids to have, right? If you're gonna work, if you've really decided that you're a better mum because you work, be a mum that loves work, right? Be a mum that loves her life is creating a life that she loves. And let your kids see that, not you, you know feeling guilty for not being at every soccer game, right? They're going to be fine. (laughs) I did not go to every soccer game at all. And, you know, my kids had amazing opportunities and a better life because I worked. So,
1: you told, a a cu- you told such a cute story. What was it that, I think it was your, um, yeah, what Alex said, his classmate. Will you tell that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It
0: yeah. proves exactly what you just said, which lights me up. Yeah, so when we lived in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, nobody, it's an expat community, right? The Western community is an expat community and none of the women worked. And there was this one other working mum, we clung to each other. And she's called Claire Kenny. And our kids happened to be in the same class at school. And Alex came home from school one day. And he said, Mommy, Joe and I were the smartest in the class. I think that might be because, you know, you two, and Claire work, you're the smartest. (laughs) And I tell that story in my book. And actually, Claire Kenny just came on my podcast. (laughs) She's amazing. She was like running the Asian division of FIFA. Oh, I mean, wow. Football Claire, as I called her. Uh, she's a badass, right? And now runs her own agency. But yeah, th- you can see that for my, you know, it's so funny, isn't it? The kind of meaning that what happens and what we make it mean are often, you know, like we write our own stories in our head, but the story that I was yeah. in, Alex and her son's head was that they were the smartest because they had moms that worked.
1: I love it, so, which is like, <laughs> but it puts that positive spin. It's like, God, we stress ourselves out about with guilt and all this other stuff. And it's like, you're right. Those are just stories in our heads. They're not even reflective of the reality and the fact that you heard that from your own kid, I just thought was so beautiful. And the the other thing that feels related to this before we move on, is you talked about, I, I wrote these down because we're very aligned on how important self-care is. Mm-hmm. And I love that you made this point and it feels relevant, especially if you're you know, a mom with a full-time job and a huge career and all the things you have this concept of giving it all but not giving not it, giving all, it away. all away. And, and I was like, Oh my God, amen. And also a little jealous that I didn't think about that phrase myself. Cause I was like, shit, that's good. So <laughs> can you talk, can you talk about how you think about that? And even what you, what, you know, maybe what you do or what you've coached your clients on? Cause I mm-hmm. think all of us as women really struggle whether what with whatever, you know, our our multifaceted lives, whether we're moms or not moms, whether we're in full-time careers or not, we tend to always put ourselves last. So I was like, thank you, Helen, for putting this on the list because we need to hear it over and over again. And the sisterhood, we need to hold each other accountable
0: for caring for ourselves, right? And give ourselves permission. Yeah, and we're back there again, the permission, right? Yeah, Right, and that's where the, come on, you know. So giving it all and giving it all away, like, you know, I think inevitably when we do these kinds of careers, they are really challenging, they're non-stop, they're, you know, they're constant, aren't they? And, you know, to succeed and do the things that we did, right, and to do the things to get to those kind of levels, right, it's hard work. Yeah, it really is. You do have to give a lot and you are well rewarded in return. Right. So the giving it all, you know, I've done it, too. I've been in hurricanes in Mexico, sat on a market research debrief on vacation with the kids. Right. It becomes kind of a little bit of work life integration and you become like, you know, always on. And you have to, you know, navigate that in a way that works for you but it is a lot. So the giving it all, right? Working really hard, we do, right? And you will have to, to succeed in this corporate career, but the giving it all away is when you lose yourself, yes, right? And when you don't have boundaries and when it becomes depleting and unsustainable, and then you become resentful and you don't show up, you know, in a way that will really help you succeed, right? So for me, there's a, another story in the book, which was I was at work at 10 o'clock at night and I was, I was working for Unilever at the time and the head of market research walked by and she said to me, what are you doing here? I was like, oh, you know, I'm working. <laughs> in that kind of, you know, women in their twenties, overcommitted to their career kind of way. And she said to me, Helen, I want you to know, she said, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And she's like, you need to give a bit less give 95%, not 110. And she said, because A, it'll make it sustainable for you. And B, do you know what? They won't notice. Yes. And C, can I add a
1: C? Because I think you even said this in the book and it's what always goes through my mind. And I coach a lot of my clients on this. Your 95% is a lot of people's 120%
0: right? Exactly. So,
1: yeah. So it's like yeah, all of those things combined. It's like, guess what? Like, let's give ourselves permission to just like, who pump the brakes yeah. a little bit care for Ooh. ourselves because it is the age old. If we got nothing left to give, we can't show up as our best selves. You can't right. be leading this mission. I can't be leading my mission. If we don't have the energy <laughs> and the inspiration to show up as our best selves. So thank you for including that, because I feel like we as women just keep needing to be, you know, whacked
0: with a two by four on that one. On get help, right? If you can afford it, get help. And guess what? If you want to have your hair done in the middle of the day, just do it. (laughs) Give yourself permission to get your hair cut or, you know, go get your nails done in the middle of the day because they won't notice. They won't, you won't get any thanks when you're on email at eight o'clock at night, right? So screw it, do it. (laughs)
1: screw it let's do it I love it I love it we used to have a similar tagline at Harley that just totally took me back that was really funny so I want to talk about this concept you you started diving into mentors and it is clear that having mentors like first of all each one of us saying what's really important to me what are what's the track or the tracks that I'm on right the journeys and then who can I who can I find that can
0: help me right Who's at least two steps ahead of you, right? And mentor mm-hmm. shares yeah. their journey with you. So they have to be, ideally, they're at least two steps ahead of you. They don't have to be the CEO. but just someone who's a couple of steps ahead, doing what you want to do can help. And how and do can you approach the CEO, them? So don't I, be shy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I would well no exactly and you say this a number of times in the book like ask for what you want right so i think that's really important because as women we don't always ask for what we want so what does that look like so i want to talk about you make this beautiful distinction between a mentor and a sponsor and you need both so how, let's talk about, the fit. let's wrap up with the mentor, right? Like, yeah, how do you approach somebody? If you have somebody in mind, but maybe you don't know them, like what advice do you give? Because often that can feel awkward for us as women, right?
0: What does it yeah. look like? Yeah, and so yeah. what I say is get really clear what it is. So let me, let's play between us. So I would reach out to you and say, Shelly, I love what you've done with the book and how you're building a movement, Right. I'm, if I'd been five years ago, right, I'm looking to do the same, right? I want to write a book for other women and build the kind of, you know, movement that you're building. Could we have a coffee and could we talk about that? So in a work situation, that might be like, you know, Mark, oh, okay, I noticed that you moved into finance. I'm interested in moving into finance too. Could we, I'd love your advice on that. The key is ask mm. for advice, okay? Set up the meeting. And then what it what it does is it makes it very clear why you want to talk to them. And that you're asking for their advice. And then that makes it clean, right? It's not weird, right? What does she want to talk to me about? And then once you're there, give them an update, talk to them about what you like about what they've done and ask for their advice, right? And then listen to the advice, write it down, right? And go and do it or take some of it. And then follow back up with them in a few months time and say, hey, I'd love, you know, you remember when we talked, Shelley, you suggested I did this, this and this. I've done it. Can I give you an update? And I've got some more questions. Right. And then as you build that relationship, then you can say something like, you know, it's so helpful to have a mentor to help me. Right. And remember, like the key thing to remember here is that psychologically and unconsciously people support what they helped to build in all walks of life right that's why you can get kids to eat vegetables if they helped you cook them <laughs> right so I love that one that sense of like oh you know if mark was mentoring me you know he's senior in finance he's moved into finance he now knows that i want to move into finance he's helped me he saw that i took his advice remember the bigger the ego the easier it is to tap into right oh well helen took my advice and helen's amazing and you know helen was like, oh you know I can, I can help there. And it's at that point that a mentor, right? Moves into a sponsor because sponsors are different, right? Mentors share their journey with you. Sponsors talk about you when you're not in the room. So they advocate for you, right? And sponsors are like that next level. They're like a second level accelerator for people's careers. Often we find sponsors from the people that we worked for Well, the people who know us really, really well and have seen our work. Because remember, to advocate for someone when they're not in the room is like a personal risk. You're endorsing, you know, Shelly or Helen, like they'd be great for that role. Yeah, it's your reputation on the line. There's some reputational risk there, isn't it? Because what if they get into the role and they're like, well, you know, Mark said she'd be good. She's a disaster, right? And that's like a black mark on him. So it's sponsors need to understand that, They can advocate for you. And having another source of those sponsors is your mentors. If you build great mentor relationships, then when you're not in the room, Mark will say, oh, there's a role come up in finance. Oh, you know, has anybody thought about Helen? And get you on that list and accelerate you. So that, and you can't really ask for sponsorship. You can't say, will you be my sponsor? But what you can do is thank you so much for your advice. I did this, I did that it's working, you know, what else could I be thinking about? And, you know, I love your advice. And then at that point, you know, if a role, Mark, if a role like that comes up, you know, could you remember me? Could you let me know? Right? Is there anyone else I should talk to? Right? Is Could you introduce me to them? At that point, then you're moving that relationship from just a mentor relationship into a sponsor relationship. And it So visibility of women's work or people's work and having the right support are the two things that really make a difference. And it is work, Shelley. It is work, right? I struggled with this because I found a lot of the times my ex-bosses were leaving. So I had great sponsorship and then they'd leave. So you have to kind of keep working at this over the years if the people that are your advocates leave. So it's kind of a conscious process that requires some work and, and some tools, right. And, you know, and the knowledge that you actually have to do it, which is what the unwritten rules are for.
1: Well, I think this is what is so powerful. And I've seen like this through line from the beginning of our conversation. I was just remembering you when you said earlier, when we talked about the invisible work and making that visible and having those conversations and it's like, Our default mindset, especially as women is typically, I know mine was, was like, hashtag who fucking has time for this, which is exactly what you said. And I think this could fall in that same bucket. And I love that you are saying, no, actually, when we start thinking about all of our responsibilities in our jobs, in our careers, this is a big bucket that we have to allocate time and energy to in order to be, you know, accelerating our, you know, our own potential, like putting the rocket fuel in the rocket really is what we're talking about. So thank you for that reminder, because I know I I was definitely, oh, go ahead, go ahead.
0: I actually don't think, for me, it's about the awareness, right? I don't think, once you have the awareness and you have the framework i don't think it actually takes that much time mm. to do but it is interesting isn't it you know as we move from kind of being an individual contributor to succeeding through others and rising there's the awareness that you know this is now our job right and and getting mentors and getting sponsors right and managing your stakeholders that is your job. It's not your yeah. job to do the work anymore. It's your job to make sure the right work gets done. And that this stuff then becomes your job. Mm, I love that.
1: Yes. In addition to growing the people and the
0: other things that we and talked about, you're right. Because not, the vision and the direction yeah. and growing the people and you know, managing the external stakeholders.
1: Well, and you, and you quote Marshall Goldsmith in your book, but you know, the all-time famous what got you here, won't get you there. This is exactly what we're talking about. And I love that reframe within the unwritten rules, because sometimes we're like, well, the games, not that we think the game is the same. We understand that it's different, but we maybe don't know how to play it. You, you mentioned another great example of this, where it's like the pre-meeting, like the meeting actually happens outside of the room and the work that We need to do and the conversations we need to have to ensure something gets sold through in the meeting. That was really important that you highlighted that because that was a big lesson for me, too. It's like, oh, wait, shit, was I the only one who didn't have a conversation before walking into this
0: room? And is that why my stuff isn't getting sold in? And it's so disappointing, isn't it? I genuinely believed, you know, it's a bit like that thing that we talked about at the beginning like, if I just do good work, it'll be noticed. I thought I could kind of come into a meeting. With this, like, you know, ready baked, you know, like the French waiter almost and go taran, ta-ran ta-ra! And everyone would go, wow, that's amazing, <laughs> yep. You Yeah, know, what great work. And instead they go, Oh, well, I didn't know about that. Oh, what does that mean for my region? You know, have you spoken to my people? And it's like, oh, come on. And back to the mental thing, right? People support what they help to build. Yeah. So the meeting actually happens before the meeting. And that made my life so much easier. A hundred percent. That's quite a structured process, right? And again, you know, ain't nobody got time for that. It's your job. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. It's your job. That will get you there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: I think is so powerful. And the other thing, so just to continue on what you said In the beginning, let's talk about the sisterhood as part of what will get you there as well. So as we rise, you know, as you and I both had really big titles in really big companies and huge responsibilities and you know, supporting our sisters climbing that ladder, whether in the comp, well, I I shouldn't say whether in the company, in the company, in the industry, right. And in the world in general, let's talk more about that. Like, what does that look like? What can we do
0: better? Yeah. So it can be anywhere, can't it? Right. So obviously in your team, right. There's so many ways you can support other women. Right. I think at work, you know, this kind of, you know, mentorship and sponsorship, I really encourage women to think, right, if, if mentorship is about being two steps ahead of someone and not being only the CEO and mentors, right? If who are you two steps ahead of mm. and who can you mentor, right? And look at the list of people that you spend time with, who you have coffee with, right? Because you might not you know, officially be like, oh, I'm their mentor, but like, who do you spend time with? Who do you give advice to? Who do you care about, right? Make a list of those people and then look and say, do they all look like me? And what do I notice about this list, right? And again, coming back to that thing of, you know, if they don't look like you, then they have to ask or you have to ask them, right? You know, look at your list, right? Are there women of color on that list, right? Because again, they tend to be the most marginalized yeah. at work but really bringing some thinking to who's on that list. and if you're sponsoring, who are you advocating for when they're not in the room? Again, looking at that list, right? And I think even on a day-to-day basis, right, in terms of helping women's ideas be visible and helping women's voices be heard, right, amplification is something I talk about in the book, right? So women often get interrupted, right? Men interrupt twice as often as women do, but they almost always, three quarters of the time, they interrupt women, right? So interruption and being spoken over and you know, mansplaining and having your ideas stolen, right? That's all shit that we dealt with, wasn't it? I'm sure you did too, right? But helping other women, amplifying other women's ideas in the room. So Shelly just said that, or let her finish, right? Really helping another woman get the space that she needs to be heard can be enormously helpful. So the example I talk about in the book was in Obama's cabinet when he first started the women in his cabinet were doing it for each other and he noticed and he joined in. Right. So, you know, being an ally to other women can be, you know, is a, a really, really important part of sisterhood and really consciously thinking through who is on that list of your sisters and making sure that it's a conscious decision. And then, you know, like I said, supporting each other, there used to be this, you know, queen bee thing where, so few women succeeded that, you know, once they succeeded, they kind of wanted to slam the door behind them. And I quote, as because I'm a Brit. <laughs> and, you know, back in the day, like Margaret Thatcher was a great example of that Queen Bee, right? She made it to prime minister in the UK and she didn't help women at all. She thought women were like too emotional. She, was, she didn't, like those days need to be gone, right? We need to hundred help other women and support them. And, you know, particularly now when we're all just you know, battling, many of us are battling with homeschooling and, you know, parents that are not well and, you know, work-life integration where all our boundaries are smashed, right? The yeah. more we can reach out and just check in on each other and, you know, have a glass of wine together and you know, give each other permission to, you know, have dirty homes and, <laughs> and drink wine and, you know, cry, the easier we can make it for each other. I love that. Do I'm curious, do you? Where do you get that in
1: your own life? What like what communities do you tap into? Have you built a community around the unwritten rules? Do you also have another community or communities that you tap in for that into for that? I'm curious cuz I I I like want to keep building it for myself too and I I feel surrounded but I don't know if everybody's giving themselves permission to say no, you know what? Another part of me caring for myself is ensuring that I'm surrounded by those people. And I have those communities and those safe spaces to be in. And then I'm and then I'm giving myself the gift of time to be in those spaces with those
0: women. So I'm curious, what does that look like for you? Mm, I do. And um, so sisterhood, like helping other women is super important for me. My sisterhood is not exclusively women. I call them my tribe. And I found, and you probably find the same thing, it's actually for me even harder now that I'm a coach. <laughs> that The temptation is for us to support others. So I've had to be really, really deliberate, right? If we're not careful in these roles, we can become the one that's holding space for everybody else. Yeah. Right. 100%. And you're always, your friendships become kind of like coaching assignments outside as work, <laughs> unpaid coaching assignments, yeah. right? Yeah. Constantly which is draining. giving yeah career advice and so you and I have to be even more intentional about how we do that and how we have friendships with friends that can hold us right and you know the tribe that I've surrounded myself with, some of them are other coaches, but it's very deliberate. It's like you know, you we need a coach, right We need other coaches that we can lean on and other sources of support where we can. Yeah, one of the one of the questions that my tribe asked me is what are you avoiding, Helen? or what do you not want us to know like to really make sure that we're held right and to make sure that we look after each other and that you know the our lives are reflected back to us and they can spot our patterns yeah. and spot us falling into our patterns again.
1: Yeah, um, I love it one of the communities I just joined, it's like... Know even having us go around this one happens to be all women, but like you, I have you know different communities that are are mixed, and I agree. I love, I love that. Um I feel like my tribe keeps getting better and better, and just like I, I feel loved and supported and held by the most incredible people. I include you in that. And this one of the things we went around the circle and talked about was like what what is scaring the shit out of you at the moment because how many like i love the questions you just asked and how often do we feel safe enough and that we're with the right people where we can say yeah you know what like right now personally for me this is speaking to you helen in real time because i said to this to you off camera like this situation with my parents is scaring the shit out of me. And I, I don't have, you know, I I have spaces where I can talk about that. So I actually spoke about that in this divine feminine leadership academy circle just yesterday. And I was like, I am so glad like my shoulders just dropped. I felt this sense of relief. I felt like It was the biggest, longest bear hug of my life that I was getting from these women in terms of the love and support. And so I tell that story to say, we all need that. We all need that safe space and those people. So anybody who's listening, you guys, like even as rebel souls, our, our reaction tends to be like, I got this, I got this. And this is the lesson I learned and why I wrote the book that I wrote was like, it's like, well, no, actually I don't got this. I need people. Like you said, Helen, I need to ask for help. I need these my tribe, who can hold me and hold space for me exactly like you said. So it's a reminder to all of us.
0: I also said to you, that that kind of looking for permission, right? And a little bit of mentorship, right? You're ahead of me in many ways, but like my dad died in 2015 and I gave myself permission in those last months to focus less on my business and to focus on doing a good job looking after him. So, you know, what we said at the beginning of this call is like, you know, like you have permission to, to structure this however you want. Right. So that when they're not around anymore, you look back and you're happy with the decisions that you made yeah. then. And if you need to, you know, do less with your community or do less with your clients or take on a few less clients, you'll be back. They'll be there. It's going to be fine. Right. Um, totally. Sometimes we, you know, we need to do what we need to do. And what I okay. love
1: I always know. So I I said to you, and and I'm saying this very intentionally for, for everyone listening, because I know a lot of us struggle with these same things. So Helen, thank you for reminding me of that because I needed to hear it again. And I am realizing, I mean, I don't believe that there are any coincidences. The fact that I felt really passionate about keeping this recording with you. And I was like, it's Helen. It brings me joy. Like, I feel a lot of joy because I got a lot of joy from reading your book. I got a lot of insight. I adore you. And I'm like, I feel like doing this. But I've, I've like cut a lot of stuff out of my schedule. And now I'm realizing that it's not just, oh, I love Helen and I love her book. I need to hear this message exactly right now in this moment. So we never know why we are somewhere. and We never know why we're having the conversation, why we're really having the conversation yeah. that we're having. And so that was an incredible gift. I want to thank you for that and acknowledging and acknowledge you for that. So thank you. And I think it's important. We We had that conversation off camera, not recording. And I love that it came back up again. Thank you for doing that because, you know, it's like, I, I, this community knows like I am, I am just, I'm, I'm out there, right. I will tell you, I will be as vulnerable as I can possibly be. And so this is unfolding for me, like literally one baby step at a time. I have no clue what I'm doing. And yet I love, like you were just such a mentor to me in that moment. So let's be open to those opportunities happening all around us every day. And what those little messages are that was whoo. That was that was beautiful. I feel like super just whew, that feel like warm and emotional right now. So I'm I know I'm receiving it. I can feel that. So here's what I would love to do. Can we? I don't want to end this conversation, but I'm also super conscious of time. What I would love to do to put a fine point on all of this is. Talk about what we mentioned early on. You end the book in a very specific way. And I, when I got to the chapter of like, so how can men support us? I was like, Fuck yes. Like cheering. I'm like, bravo. Didn't see that coming. And yet I was like, why didn't I see that coming? And what does that say? So I love that you're bringing men into the conversation and there are a lot of men in this community. So talk to us. Like how can men support us and be part of the tribe? Like the Obama example with his cabinet, what can more men be
0: doing to help advance our sisters? Hmm. In my experience, Shelley, they can, there are, there is a certain type of man who can be an amazing ally, right? Any man can, if they want to. But my experience is that often men with daughters, they suddenly kind of start to wake up, right? And particularly when their daughters are a little bit older and their daughters are starting to think about careers. In my experience, there's a moment when they're like, oh, I don't want her to do what I've done, or I wouldn't want her to work here. So at its most fundamental level, I ask men a series of questions when I when I give a talk and in the book, the most fundamental question I would ask men right now is, would you want your daughter to work in your team or to work in oh, your company, 100%. right? And if the answer to that is no, what are you doing about it, right? And you may not be the CEO and you may not be able to change the whole company or you might, right? <laughs> but right, what are you doing, right? How are you... How do you know your numbers, right? How much diversity is there in your team? How many women are at each level? How are they paid? Are they paid as much as the men for the same work, right? Are they listened to? Are they heard? Are they interrupted, right? Just how are you creating a safe space for women to be respected and listened to and you know, set up for success and how are you growing so that, you know, if you're not where you want to be in terms of diversity, how are you fixing it? And how are you helping them? So that at its most fundamental level, you know, is how men can help, all men can help. And uh, hopefully those questions will allow them to reflect. And, you know, who are you? The same questions we talked about, right? Who are you mentoring, right? Write the list. Do they all look like you? Yeah. Why, right? how, how can you expand that list a little more and spend time with people that don't look like you, right? Whether they be, you know, men of colour or women or women of color, right? Because we're naturally drawn to people that are like us in earlier life, just like and naturally, right? Looks like you and I, right? We're corporate refugees helping people in corporate, aren't we? Right? So it's normal. And once you know that, once you know better, you can do better. So how can you expand that list? Who are you sponsoring? Who do you talk about when they're not in the room? make a list. Can you expand that list? So those are the kinds of questions, provocative questions I ask men to help them be better allies for us and to make it better, like for the women that come behind us and for all of our daughters.
1: Oh, that's a powerful place for us to end. And thank you for bringing us there. So now that we've got everybody like wanting, dying to read all of the other unwritten (laughs) rules for women's leadership, where can they find
0: you and where can they get your new book? So it's all at theunwrittenrules.com. Or the books on Amazon, The Unwritten Rules of Women's Leadership. The podcast is wherever you listen to podcasts, including the episode with the fabulous Shelly Paxton. And there'll be a course very soon. So yeah, kind of all the usual places, but look for The Unwritten Rules and you'll find, find it all there. Where can people find you on the socials? So The Unwritten Rules is a group on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn, Helen Appleby. Yeah, and Instagram, Helen Jane Appleby. Uh, nice. I'm more of a LinkedIn chick.
1: All right. So that
0: and yeah, that and that's what I thought about you. And I'm like, do I see her on Instagram?
1: I couldn't remember. But that's perfect. We'll put we'll put all of those all of those links and all of your handles in the show notes and also a link to your book. This has been incredible. You know I could talk to you for hours and I would love one day soon to be back in whatever city we're in together. It was New York city before COVID hit having a glass of wine and I can't wait until that can happen again. I'm so, 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 I'm just honored that you agreed to do this with me and I'm really, really grateful for the gift you gave me in the course of this conversation. So thank you.
0: Grateful for you, my life. Grateful that we're in each other's lives, but grateful that you in my life too. Yes. And Nathan, we miss you. Wine in Central Park.
1: Oh my God. And Nathan (laughs) Seaward, we miss you. Oh God, he's another one I want to get on the podcast. Another totally, totally. Well, we'll, I'm going to send him an exclusive link to this one. So that's (laughs) awesome. I hope you guys loved getting to meet my friend Helen. I felt like we were having another one of our awesome chats in Central Park with wine, but we need to do it for reals when this COVID thing goes the way. So thank you, my dear. And thank you to all of our fellow rebel souls for listening in. Love you guys and see you next week. Bye. Hey rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe rate and review. So our fellow rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at soulbatical.com. And follow me at Sylvatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass. And never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?